1: Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. We had a wild weekend of college football. The number one team in the country goes down to Notre Dame, the number four team in college football, as well as some shocking turn of events with Georgia getting stomped by Florida. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing that impact of Game for Florida needing a victory, as well as our top takeaways, and also a checkup on the overall draft stocks of various players that we might be higher on than we were previously in the beginning of the season. Before we get into that, folks, I want to share a message with you very quickly from our sponsors that being Bet Online. The NFL and college football seasons are in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I know that I am always checking these betting lines and trying to find ways to make a quick extra buck. Don't have to go all in. Don't have to throw $100 in, but throw $5 here and there, and you got a little bit of extra money to buy a beer when you're hanging out with your friends. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, I want to get right into something that I know Alex is probably a little bit upset about, just a just a little bit. Georgia looked very sloppy in a 44 to 28 loss. And I think it's pretty fair to say that their quarterback issues, especially with Stetson Bennett being there their lead guy for a while this this season have definitely caught up to them and I want to run run to Alex first because this is his team he's a he's from Georgia he's a Georgia fan did you see this coming did you think that at some point they were going to run into a buzzsaw and that the quarterback issues and the inconsistency at the quarterback position were going to hurt them at some point yeah
2: um you'd be crazy to think that you didn't see this one coming I mean this has been something that's been building up over the last few weeks Early in the season, obviously Stetson Bennett comes in and, and really shines, you know, he, he gets rolling and, and it's just been trickling downhill since then. And, and going up against Florida and that offense being one of the better ones in college football to this point in the season, I just knew we weren't going to be able to keep up. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, it makes us, you know, as a Georgia fan, it makes you think, you know, what what's up with JT Daniels? Is it is it? Still, the injuries bothering him. He's not physically ready to, you know, be hit and be in live action, or, or is it he's just not up there competitively with Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis who played uh, valuable. I hope not. <laughs> I, I, and if that's the case, then I don't know what to do with him because I don't know how it can get much worse. But at this point, I don't really care anymore because. That was the SEC East Championship game. Any hopes of going to the playoff ended right there with that that second loss uh, on the SEC schedule to Florida. Florida's gonna probably win out the rest of their schedule, or you know they're gonna go to the SEC Championship game. Um, so Georgia's playoff hopes are dead. Uh, and at this point, if JT Daniels is healthy, ready, it doesn't. It, the storyline doesn't matter anymore. It mattered going into this game. You know, Georgia fans calling for JT Daniels to come in. Um, I, I think JT Daniels, I like I said, I don't know the situation. They haven't come out and give too many details on why exactly he hasn't get, been given his shot. But I, I just always felt like JT Daniels at least gives you the upside to beat a team like this. Stetson Bennett's fine playing Missouri and playing Vanderbilt and playing Arkansas. But as soon as you play Alabama and Florida, the two teams he has lost to, he he can't keep up. Alabama's offense is too prolific. Florida's offense this year is too prolific. He just can't score that many points. So I'm not surprised at all. I I, I think this was this was coming for a few weeks now. I've seen this coming. Uh, I had that Florida game circled on the schedule as a big time matchup and as Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts has just continued to dominate college football so far this season. I just knew that this this was coming and and it, it just it just sucks that there's not a better quarterback situation. Obviously, we've had a uh, quarterbacks in line for this this season, and you know you can go back to Justin Fields, obviously transferring out, and then of course Jamie Newman transferring over, uh, and then obviously he opted out of the season, so that that put uh, our quarterback situation in a difficult in a difficult spot. So it, I didn't find it surprising. That's just what happens when you you lose your starting quarterback a few weeks, you know, just weeks before the season starts and you're you're forced to to go with the the shorthand. So uh Georgia season's over. So at this point the JT Daniels storyline, like I said, is is null. It doesn't really matter to me anymore. It's just gonna be what bowl game can we get? So uh yeah, Georgia season's over, unfortunately, and it's it's due to those quarterback problems you mentioned.
3: And if if JT Daniels is Still recovering, and he's just not physically ready. Do you even roll him out any point this fall, or do you, do you just kind of treat this as a another redshirt season for him going into next season? I feel like if this if this is the situation that we're in, I don't think that we should see JT Daniels this fall for Georgia in any respect. As far as the game went, I was on a morning show on Saturday for um, for NFL Draft Bible where I, I picked Florida because, like I mean, like Alex said. It just went down to Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts versus Stetson Bennett, in my opinion. Even though Georgia has a very talented defense that didn't really show up for the most part, Tyson, well, Tyson Campbell had a very struggling day, and um, Richard LeCount was out, which was a big loss right. for, for that defense. So uh, I know that at a certain point, right, your defense is only as good as your offense to a degree because hey, we need to get we can't be on the field constantly, and they were just on the field constantly because Georgia wasn't able to to really establish an identity, keep the clock on their side. After that long touchdown run by Zamir White to start the game, it was not, nowhere to be seen. So the, the game didn't surprise me. I didn't, even with, without literature the count, I expected the defense to be a little more stingent than they were because we got defensive players everywhere. Eric Stokes had to pick six. Tyson Campbell has some love. Monty Rice. I know Jordan Davis was out too for defense line, which is a Aziz. big loss. Aziz, but you know, I still expected maybe a little more defensive effort. But at the end of the day, right? Like, like if you were picking that game, it came down to Kyle Trask or Stetson Bennett. Which one are you more comfortable with? I think that's a pretty obvious answer and situation right now.
1: Yeah, and all of those issues are, are have obviously caught up to them as you've you've highlighted. The crazy thing for this game is it starts out with the the banger play by Zemir White. I was so shocked that the the game ended up getting so far away from Georgia. When you see plays like that to start a game, it's usually a a momentum setter. It's usually a way to create some serious momentum for your program and your team in a top-10 matchup like that. So that's so surprising that they were able to completely take them out of the game after such a huge momentum shifter from that long play. Now to get into some of our key takeaways. We're going to pitch some things that we think – were key points from this past week that you should take into account. I'm going to get us rolling here, and I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. DJ Uangalele started for Trevor Lawrence, who was out because of contracting the coronavirus. He's reportedly has recovered, but he did not have time to pass a conditioning test that is required by the protocol at the school. One thing that we saw from, from DJ is that this dude can play at at an elite level, at a top level, despite only playing in his second game. He threw for over 400 yards. He had four total touchdowns, I believe. That is a big, big performance for a guy that is playing in his second ever game as a player who was previously in high school not too long ago. And I don't think this should be a hot take when you look at his size, his athletic ability, his arm talent just from what we know from his high school background and also from what we saw in these two games, this dude is going to be a top five pick in the 2023 draft. I don't think that that is that outlandish. The dude, and there's a reason why people tend to compare him to Ben Roethlisberger. He's over 250 pounds, hovering around 250. He's at six foot four. He's got a a pretty good arm for, for a young kid. He made some really, really good plays in this game. And We were talking about this before the show that Notre Dame's goal was to take Travis Etienne out of the game and say, you need to beat us with DJ Uyonglele. And that's exactly what he did. He came up, he stepped up to the challenge, and he was able to play in a top five matchup at a very, very high level. I I really don't think that's that crazy to say uh, two or three years from now when he declares he is going to be a very highly drafted kid.
3: Well, Joe, if you would have said that he was a top one pick in twenty twenty three, I would have been like, "Yep, yeah. you're probably right at that point." You know, yeah. was... <laughs> that, okay. That was a great. That was a great pronunciation of Uyung Lele, by the way. That was phenomenal. I'm just,
1: I'm just guessing at this point. No, man, it was so good. <laughs> no, confidence is key. Well,
3: that, right. Well, that was my main quarrel with like the whole conversation of last night. It's like, oh, well, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Was the quarterback position for Clemson an issue in any way last night? Like, what? Even no. if Trevor Lawrence played last night, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is a better football player right now. I'm not trying to say that. Obviously, the gap yeah. is like not substantial or something. But last night, I don't think if Trevor Lawrence played that that the quarterback position is much more dynamic or much better than what DJ played last night. I don't think that's a big difference in that game. That's why I'm just like waking up this morning seeing that that take. I'm just like. If the quarterback position, if there were several turn, if there was a turnover or two that were in big moments, if he missed a lot of throws, like I'd be like, yes, you're absolutely right. That was a big determiner in this game. For me, there was no drop off at the quarterback position for Clemson. So, was there really going to be a big difference in the game? I guess maybe you could say like Trevor Lawrence is going to juice up the defense a little bit. They're going to be a little hungrier to play at certain points, but I just don't Mm -hmm. think that that was a big determiner in that game specifically.
2: Alex, what's your takeaway from this uh from this weekend? I think it's simple and, and honestly in weeks past, I would say there are three great teams in college football. You know, you have Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. The drop off there is significant, but Notre Dame proved like like Ryan said, the 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 drop off at quarterback play from Trevor Lawrence to DJ Ungalele. Ooh, I'm I'm trying. Ui Ungalele. Ui Ungalele. I'm getting there. There we go. Um the drop-off isn't that significant, and, and Notre Dame just just showed that they, they deserve to be in that conversation. However, with the Georgia loss, I think there is a huge drop-off after those top four. I think we have our top four teams in college football right now, and it's going to be the top four that you see in this week's rankings, that you saw in last week's rankings. Uh, who's fifth? Florida after that Georgia win? Cincinnati? There's... They, there is no team outside the top four looking in right now that's beating any of the teams inside the top four, and I, I'm just very, very confident in that.
3: Where, where's the Indiana love? That's all I want to know.
2: Yeah, let's I'm put just Indiana kidding. in that no, top No, 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 don't
3: do that. Don't do that.
1: I did, Rank Rutgers. Oh, man.
3: I did want to talk about the Big Ten, though, a little bit, just because this – so Ohio State, right? They are a legit top three team in, the league, in, in college football. You can look at them. And they pass the eye test. There are got dudes, NFL players, Justin Fields, Chris Olave, offensive line, right with Wyatt Davis and uh, Josh Myers at center, and on that defense, Baron Browning and Pete Werner and Sean Wade. There's NFLers all over the place. So everyone knows that Ohio State is the el- is one of the elite in college football. There's no question there. The rest of the Big Ten, though, man, it is rough right now because Ohio State is three and zero, but they've beaten. Teams that are combined, one and seven. We're looking at Minnesota, who I thought was going to have a nice um, a nice season going into the year. They lose to Michigan the first week. They lose to Maryland the second week. But then they come back and they destroy Illinois, who Illinois is not a very good team either. Now Maryland has two straight wins. They beat Penn State. Penn State hasn't won a game yet. Michigan, after starting the year off nice, they, at first you're like, wow, they beat Minnesota. That's a nice win for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's back. Back-to-back losses to Michigan State last week, and then they lose to Indiana yesterday. Indiana, are they one of the best teams in the Big Ten? Man, that's a hard sell for me. And then Michigan State beats Michigan last week, who at the time looked like a good win for Michigan State. And then they get destroyed yesterday, 49-7 to against Iowa. Nebraska isn't good. Northwestern's 3-0 as well. So I'm looking at this team and like, who is the best team in the Big Ten? After Ohio State. I assumed maybe it be Penn State, Minnesota, one of those two. They're one and two and 0 and three, respectively. At looking at this this Big Ten conference in general, the drop-off, and Alex talked about drop-off from four to everybody else in the rankings. The drop-off from Ohio State to the next best team in the Big Ten is about as massive a gap that you could that you're gonna find in any conference in college football. So you could sell Ohio State to me. I am selling you. However, the rest of the Big Ten, that conference outside of Ohio State is awful.
2: Well, we got we have Wisconsin as well, if they could play a game. They haven't been able to play a game in, what, two, three <laughs> weeks now. So it, it, I feel like if, if Wisconsin can play, I think they're a top ten-ish team in college football. Uh, but you're right. There's a lot of good teams, usually good teams in the Big Ten, that are just really, really disappointing. This conference looks like the ACC right now.
1: Oof! Taking the quick jab at the ACC while you can get it in. Yep. So typically we'll we'll redirect this point in the show as we get to the second half into a discussion on who we think improved their draft stock after just one week, who might have helped themselves with with a good performance. Today we want to do things a little bit differently. We've got pretty much every conference. I believe every conference is playing now. The Pac-12 started up. The MAC started up recently they're obviously not at the halfway point in their seasons but we're pretty far in for a remainder of these other teams through their 2020 years. We want to now discuss who are some guys at the beginning of the season that maybe were like in the second or third round or weren't really on our radars for being top prospects or had huge jumps in in your general outlook As a prospect, so Alex, I want to hear from you first. Who are two guys that so far this season have outperformed your expectations, and you're going to be really excited to pull up, break down that 2020 tape, and you might be pushing them uh, higher into the conversation for their position groups?
2: Well, first, let me start with Quiddy Pay, edge rusher from Michigan, someone that you know was a big name over the summer. Once Bruce Feldman came out with his freaks list. Went to his tape and you you saw the athleticism. The athleticism was apparent, but you just he he didn't know what he was doing, and so you you're really banking on upside there. But this season, from the little bits I have been able to watch, and what makes me so excited to get back into his tape uh, at the conclusion of the season is this man looks like he knows what he's doing a little bit. He's utilizing his hands. He's he's getting in the backfield. He's been a disruption. Play in and play out for Michigan's defense. I'm I'm really excited uh, to see you know with that athleticism, that upside. If this man knows what he's doing with his hands and knows how to utilize leverage, Quiddie Pay is going to be an exciting player to watch. I'm really excited to dive back into his film. Uh, my second guy is Kadarius Tony from Florida. Uh, I thought this guy was just gadgety offensive weapon for Florida. And that's what he has been. But this guy has really improved on the, the areas you wanted to see. You know, the contact balance is ridiculous. The acceleration and burst is is top of top of college football. And then of course you you have the improved route running, which is the biggest uh biggest point of emphasis that he took, you can tell, through this quarantine area, because this guy looks crispy running his routes. I, and I, I'm willing to say, I'd rather have Kadarius Tony on day two than Jalen Waddle on day one. I, I just think I just think given the given the investment of a day two pick in Kadarius Tony, I'd rather have that have that investment than a day one pick in Jalen Waddle. I'm a really big fan of Kadarius Tony and what I've watched. I've watched a lot of Florida coming into the season being a big Kyle Trask guy. Um so I've been watching a lot of that offense, and Kadarius Sony's really, really impressed. I, I I don't think that's too hot of a take, but I I would I would take him in day two before I take Jalen Waddle in day one.
3: Did you just call somebody crispy?
2: Yeah, crispy. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: was awesome. That's am hungry.
1: It's a, a new official draft crispy. term. He's a crisp, crispy routes. Crispy Routes. We should be here. making shirts for that, Ryan. Uh, that is, that, that is a good saying. That is a good saying.
3: <laughs> Alex Gilstrap called someone crispy. That's, oh man. Yes, shirts. Design it, Alex. I'll, I will pay for it or I'll make Joe pay for it, one or the other.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I got the deep pockets.
3: <laughs> um, Ryan, it, who are
1: your guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah,
3: <laughs> so uh, I, I wanted to do one offensive guy and one defensive player. So I'm breaking the rules to a degree. I took a guy that I was already. Pretty high on, in my opinion, for my offensive guy. But I got called a Justin Fields hater on Twitter um, a couple days ago. By, but you know, he outed me to his three followers. So I I wanted to, (laughs) you know, repent my sins. I guess here on the podcast, Justin Fields was the top ten player going into going into this um, coming out of the summer. I had some pause and some concerns over the ability to work off of one to two, sometimes even three reads, the simplicity of the offense kind of holds him back a little bit. I was firmly in Trey Lance slightly over Justin Fields, and that was a tier, right? That was the tier. The tier break mm-hmm. was, for me, Trevor Lawrence, tier break, Trey Lance, Justin Fields fighting for quarterback two. Now, obviously, with Trey Lance only playing one game and opting out, he has put himself at a disadvantage in that conversation against Justin Fields. Justin Fields, so far, and we mentioned, you know, he's not, so some context, he's not playing great teams right now, but he is playing exceptionally well. He is showing improvements in the areas that he needs to show. So right now, if I regrade it today, which I will not do to the end of the season, I am sure that Justin Fields would probably grade out semi-higher than Trey Lance. Now, I don't think that, Justin Fields is in that tier with Trevor Lawrence still. I think that he's high into that second tier, but I think that he has done everything that he needed to do so far this season from a technical perspective to take his game to the next level and then to potentially make him that clear and cut quarterback two behind Trevor Lawrence. So applaud to Justin Fields and the improvement that he is showing so far. I want to see it obviously working towards the end of the season into the playoff conversation against better competition to see if this is substantial and he can do it against a little bit more speed in front of him. But for now, Justin Fields has done everything that he needs to do for this season. Second guy, if you watched the Notre Dame win over Clemson uh, last night, we're recording this on Sunday, if, if, if you're wondering about that. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, again, had another – phenomenal game for Notre Dame this this uh, season. I came into the year with him somewhere on day two grade. I felt that he was what the NFL is trending to, those really athletic second-level defenders who you can put a label on it if you want, but at the end of the day, this guy can play all three downs, and he is the, this specialist playing the overhang rover position in Notre Dame's defense. Jeremiah Wusakormoa, he's never going to be – a perfect fit as a linebacker. He's never going to be a perfect fit as his safety. But with how the NFL is going now, and we saw guys like Dane Brugler and Eric Edholm talking about, hey, he's a first-round player. Like, no doubt on our boards, he's a first-round player. I'm coming around to that conversation. I was not comfortable with it because I just didn't know he fit the role the best. But – I think that he might even fit that role that everyone wanted Isaiah Simmons to play, right? As like an off-ball backer, dime backer, maybe better fit. He might fit that better with how he plays. He's a little more physical than a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Now, obviously, he's not the athlete that Isaiah Simmons is. He's a very good athlete. So there's going to be some, I don't want to call them limitations, but there's the ceiling for a Simmons is higher than, a, than that of a Jer- Jeremiah Wusakoromoa. But I am very comfortable now saying as a second level defender whatever do you want to leave him as a weak side linebacker you want to call him a big sam so he can play in some space a little bit whatever you want to call him a strong safety roll down i don't i don't care at this point he's a matchup um a matchup eraser he's a guy that can that can go man to man against slot receivers against big tight ends he can set the edge he can come off he can blitz from various spots this guy there's no limitation to everything that he can do as a football player and man, for Notre Dame's defense, he has been the main catalyst for that team. Every week, no matter who they're playing, that guy shows up. He plays at a different speed. Two forced fumbles this past week against Clemson. He was all over the place. And that is, I think, what type of caliber of athlete you're getting moving forward here.
2: You know, you bringing up Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, all I could think about throughout that, throughout you talking about him, was this linebacker class is shaping up to be pretty good. I, I kind of like awesome. this linebacker class. Yeah, uh, you know, you think about because I'm thinking about him in the first round and I'm thinking about the other guys that are, you know, putting put, you know, that labels put on him as a first round guy. And this linebacker class is pretty good. Obviously, you have Michael Parsons at the top and then we're probably going to have a battle for linebacker too. Uh, you know, at least for me. I know I know you're a Nick Bolton guy. I don't know where you're at with him right this second. But Jeremiah Uso-Koromoa, Dylan Moses, and then and then after that, Nick Bolton, Jabril Cox has been up and down. I, there's. There's some fun guys. Obviously, you have the Ohio State kids. I, I like this linebacker class and, and Jeremiah Usu Koromoa just showing up over the last few weeks or just the season as a whole is just really adding adding to that to that take.
3: I, I think I have a hot take too. I don't I don't I don't know how well, no, it's definitely hot. It's very hot, actually. This might be one of the hottest parts oh, All right. So I want you, it. you guys know I'm a little lower on Dylan Moses. He's done himself no favors. In how the game is played today, I would take Jeremiah Usu Koromoa before I would take Dylan wow. Moses.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I might be there with you. I don't think that's too crazy to say,
1: but I don't think a lot of people are willing to right a, a, like a, acknowledge that because, I mean, we always see this with a lot of you know traditional football fans, and then we also see with a lot of uh, personnel and and player evaluators. At the NFL level, there tends to be guys that are a bit old school in their thinking, so they're always going to immediately turn to a guy like Dylan Moses and say, "Like, oh, the, this guy has everything that you want." But you have to acknowledge where things are trending defensively. I, I want to ask you guys a quick question about Jeremiah Awusu um, Koromoa before we end up wrapping up with our stat sheet stuffers. I think that this this concern is is legitimate when talking about him as a prospect. If you look at his size, he's listed at six foot one and a half. 215 pounds you can probably assume that he might be a little bit lighter than that just based on how teams tend to list players he might be closer to 210 where does that put him because if you're only 210 215 that's way too light to play linebacker in the nfl is this going to be a guy that has to bulk up to 220 225 and he's is he going to be playing that jeremy chin type role for a defense, or do you think that he can play linebacker at that side? Like, where do you think that he's better off? Like, is he better off bulking all the way to 230, 235? Alex, I'm curious to hear from you first, because we haven't uh, heard a ton on this from you.
2: Yeah, so for me, I think I think his his frame has the ability to add a little bit of weight, and he could play that more traditional linebacker role. But I think I'd rather have him... Currently at his weight, maybe eight, gain about five pounds and play, like you said, that Jeremy Chin role, that, that rover. Uh, I would call him closer to a safety than a linebacker at times. Um, you know, that quasi linebacker. I don't know. I don't, you know, it's that, it's that gray area of positions that you see in the NFL nowadays. Mm.
1: I know the, the position that some people like to call it. It's like a star backer. Yeah. Is a way to describe it. Ryan, are you, are you on the same page as Alex?
3: So, I'm actually a little I'm a little different. I actually think that he's more linebacker than safety, to be honest. So, w- the position that I think that is best for him is if you watch how the Carolina Panthers play defense, you're talking about Jeremy Chin, right? I actually think he fits into that undersized Sam backer role that Shaq Thompson plays. He's playing out in space. Mm-hmm. Shaq Thompson was a former safety at University of Washington. He's only route... 220, 225 as well. He's not a big guy. So if Wusukor can get up to 220 to 225, somewhere in that range, I think he's more than physical enough. And then he gives you the ability to potentially play more base defense because you don't have to take a nickel off um, with him specifically because he can do that overhang stuff. He can do that rover stuff because he already does that. He has that background as a safety. I don't think you lose a ton playing short zones and doing all those types of things, playing some man-to-man coverage. I think he can do all that. So, I actually see him more as that undersized Sam backer. Unfortunately, I think some people are going to peg him right immediately in as a weak side linebacker, but that's not what he does. Like, in no part of his game is playing that will linebacker on the backside, flowing underneath, you know, doing that stuff as a pursuit player from the backside. Like, he doesn't do any of that for Notre Dame. He needs to be on the front side, the ability to use his coverage, to use his speed. I think that that Sam backer, that undersized Sam in the vein of Shaq Thompson is, is a good fit for him.
1: Yeah, I like that point that you put out there that he's definitely not a will linebacker. I always like to use Roquan Smith as the perfect example of describing what you want with a will linebacker. You want somebody fast. He doesn't need to be as big as your mic. He's always playing that cleanup role of tracking things on the backside. If there's any cutback, he's fast enough to redirect and come back. I completely agree with you that I don't, I don't think Koromoa Owusu or Owusu Koromoa um, really fits that. He's not that, that, that bigger. Uh, more aggressive cleanup player. You do want him on the front end attacking, similar to what we see with with the use of Jeremy Chin. So to wrap us up with our stat sheet stuffer, like we do every week, this is our time to acknowledge some players that maybe aren't in the the, the top-level draft conversation. And this is not always draft-related, but players that we would like to give a nice pat on the head, a little, little tap on the head for a good performance. Alex, who's your stat sheet stuffer?
2: Yeah, mine's not just a single game. Uh, I kind of deviated from the rules a little bit, as I often do. I just noticed you did that. Of yeah, course you did. Yeah, <laughs> I do that quite often, as you know. Um, but no, I think this is worth mentioning, and, and, it, and it got brought up a couple times on Twitter, and I just wanted to bring it up on the pod. And I know I talk a lot about Justin Fields right now, as well as he's playing, but Justin Fields, at this point of the season, has 13 total touchdowns, 11 of those passing and only 11 incompletions through three games. He has as many passing touchdowns as he has incompletions. He has more total touchdowns than incompletions. I think that's insane through three games. That's something that you might see, you know, one game, two games in a season for, for a lot of, you know, your top quarterbacks in college football. But this guy's done it through three games. Uh, I, I just think that's that's just insane. That's the efficiency at its finest.
1: I will only allow that one, one statistic <laughs> just because of how crazy – that is, to have a guy have less incompletions than passing touchdowns. My guy has to be a top-level player for the program that I support. And if you want to hear Ryan and I talk this dude up, uh tune into the Locked On Irish podcast. Actually, well, this is gonna be coming out after we talk about him, but go look at the Monday episode of the Locked On Irish go Podcast. Back. Go
3: back if you haven't listened go, to it. Go-
1: yeah, yes, yes. I have to give props to Kyron. Williams this dude has been a spark offensively he stepped up tremendously for this team and they've needed that extra level of boost not just like a good running back but a a game breaker and a home run threat and that's exactly what he did against Clemson he had that long rushing touchdown on the very first play of the game that is exactly what Notre Dame has needed to provide some balance with Ian Book and that's what they needed in this game to help them stay in it so Williams ends up rushing for 23 carries, 143 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. A number of those coming in overtime and also very, very key spots. So you have to give props to Kyron Williams. He is a big reason why they stayed in this game, and he is going to be a big reason why they continue to be competitive. I just saw on ESPN, which is running behind me, that Ian Book is in the Heisman conversation. No, 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 no. Ian Book should not be in the Heisman conversation. Put Kyron Williams in the Heisman conversation. If you're gonna put one Notre Dame guy in it, put him in the conversation because he is the reason why they are winning football games.
3: I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I, I think when you uh, put his stat line next to Travis Etienne right now, um, you know, pass. Rece- he's got more yards. He's got more yards. He's got more touchdowns. I now think, or maybe the same, but you know, obviously the receiving games where that gets a little differentiated. But Kyron Williams definitely deserves. His um, his publicity that he's going to need to get here because you know seventy five yard he set the tone of that football game early. Obviously Clemson came back in the second half, but in the in overtime he got a couple scores there to, to take this victory. So Kyron Williams definitely deserves big props. I want to see your running back and raise you another one here. North Carolina running back Duvante Williams, who I tweeted out yesterday that I was I talked about him in this in the summer a little bit, man. I was like, who is twenty five? From North Carolina last year, because everybody was talking about Michael Carter, who's a good football player, no doubt. The uh, little running back reminds me a little bit of Deion Lewis. I'm like, who's this 25, though? This dude's put together. He's 220 pounds, super physical, explosive. Well, yesterday, um, after North Carolina's defeat last week against the University of Virginia, he had 16 touches. Put in 16 touches. He also um, did some stuff in the receiving game. 16 touches for 175 yards and four touchdowns. 151 of that on the ground on only only 12 carries. So an astounding game for Devontae Williams. He's a guy that might not have the notoriety of some guys like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard even. Uh, Another hot take for you. I would take Devontae Williams right now over Chuba Hubbard, but that's a different conversation for another time. This kid is a good football player. I think he has day three potential. when It uh, is all said and done. He's a junior this year, so he might even be in the 2021 NFL draft class. Devontae Williams, number 25, from North Carolina, is a very good football player.
1: I think we're inadvertently the most anti-Oklahoma State podcast over draft. (laughs) That's not true. I know it's not. I'm a big Tevin Jenkins fan. I'm a big Tevin Jenkins
3: fan. You don't put that on me.
1: I know know that's true. I know that's true. We're not anti-Oklahoma State, but for whatever reason, everybody on Twitter thinks we hate Oklahoma State just from the little out-of-context points that we make. It's so funny to me. I don't know. It all started with uh, it all started with the with the stock down early on in the season when no one wanted to admit he had a bad game against um, Tulsa against Tulsa. Yeah, guys, I think that's going to be it for today's episode, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please go follow us on social media. We have a fantastic social media team with us if you haven't seen the stuff that they're putting out Alec and Zach have been amazing so far daily content you better be checking your feed on Saturdays too if you missed anything they are putting out awesome highlights from big games so go and hit that follow button at NFL prospects pod also follow us on social media you can follow me at Jody Leone, Ryan at rise N, the letter N draft and Alex Gilstrap is at Alex Gilstrap also follow Believe Podcast at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram lastly make sure you go hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us and you can find us anywhere you can find a podcast and lastly again for one more point go to Believe.com to find our show if you can't find it anywhere and as well as hundreds of other amazing shows with fantastic guests thanks folks Stay tuned for Thursday as we'll have another fantastic interview.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants